It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because This Might Get Uncomfortable starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. This is an episode we have been waiting for because this is our 55th episode, and 55 is probably my favorite number right now, but it is definitely a joke number that Jason and I use a lot. And I think the best place to start is explaining the history of 55. Well, as auspicious as 55 is, the origin for us and the inside joke originated about mm, 12 to 13 years ago with our dear friend, the illustrious and amazing Ms. Ellie Keats. We will link to her website in the show notes at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And Ms. Keats is a whirling dervish. She is a dynamo of energy and irreverence and frivolity and childlike wonder. She, she's, I don't know that I've ever met anyone quite like Ellie. Perhaps you, you might agree with that, Whitney. Ellie is a unique creature under herself. And years ago, she was at the Hollywood Farmer's Market, the Sunday Market, and went up to one of the vendors, I, I, if I may recall, to, to buy a, a basket or a sarong or something, not a food item, but something. And she asked the woman what the price was. And the woman told her 55. And out of nowhere, Ellie goes, 55. And ever since then, <laughs> we keep seeing the number 55 pop up all over the place. It's like one of those things where, what was that movie? where he kept seeing the same numbers. Was Jim Carrey in this movie? There was some movie where the protagonist kept seeing the same numbers flash up all the time. So ever since then, there's been this inside joke and this significance to the number 55, whether it's the miles left on our car, whether it's filling up gas, we've texted each other photographs of our receipts from the store. And anytime 55 comes up, we actually, Whitney, Ellie, and myself, we have a a text thread where we just keep bombarding each other with anything and anywhere that the number 55 shows up in our lives. And that's why we had to talk about it today, because that number brings us so much joy, and we wanted to bring a little joy to your day. So with that said, that's the end of the episode. Can you imagine if this episode was only <laughs> and three minutes why long? Every time we hear the word 55, we go, and that's it. Thanks so much. Appreciate you staying tuned to our inside joke. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm going to aim for making this episode exactly 55 minutes long. Are you? We're going to aim for that. I'm going to make a request to our editors. If we go any longer or shorter, I'm going to say you must make this episode exactly 55 minutes long. No more, no less to the second. On that note, on that note, I want to talk, Whitney, about the significance of numerology, because I'm fascinated by this. And, and I think my, my fascination for numerology came in years ago when I had first moved back to LA 13 years ago. And everyone talking about, you know, the, the uh, meaning behind master numbers and, and triple numbers and things like that. And uh, as, as a master number, which is um, the same digit repeating itself, uh, the number 55 is a number 
that represents independence, freedom, and self-determination. So uh, basically they say that this, this number is a sign that it's time to let go of things and situations that are no longer serving you and allow the changes that are manifesting right now to usher in a new phase in your life, which is super interesting, right? So the double meaning is a, a doubling of the vibrational essence of the number five. So when this number is doubled, it increases that energy by a factor of two. So the energy of the numeral five is adventurous, versatile, energized, and capable of meeting any challenge that life brings. So this master number, as I mentioned, independence, freedom, self-determination. So when you apparently see 55 over and over again, it means you should be forward-looking, looking to the future and focusing your mind on learning new things. If you keep seeing 55 pop up, you're also likely to establish a variety of new and exciting social and romantic relationships during that time period, which is super interesting. So just getting into the numerology of things, when you when you see things pop up all the time, um, I kind of have a habit of seeing the number seven pop up a lot, which is super interesting. So I don't know. I just think it's interesting whenever you take note of this to, I don't know, examine the hidden meanings of what these, uh, the energetics of numbers mean. It's super fascinating to me. Absolutely. And I, I think regardless of a global meaning, we can each put our own personal meanings on things. And that's kind of like the intersection between woo-woo and people that are realists, <laughs> right? <laughs> Is people saying, oh, that doesn't really mean that, or that's not going to happen just because of this. Like people that don't believe in symbolism or you're just seeing the color red because you're thinking about it, you know, that sort of mentality. And I actually feel like we're, we're each making life what we want it to be. And it's so much a matter of relative perspective. And for me, like I said at the very beginning, the number 55 started to bring me a lot of joy because Ellie had that joke and it brought her much so much joy to tell the story. And every time we would talk about it, we would start to laugh. Mm -hmm. And now every time we text each other, the three of us have this communal joy. And that to me is a really, really powerful thing. To, I've always been somebody who loves inside jokes and just being able to share something with somebody that only they would understand has brought me a lot of joy throughout my life. So I think that's part of part of it for me. And then I started seeing how, just kind of noticing actually how I was feeling around that number on my own. And it wasn't just about sharing it with you, Jason, and with Ellie. It was, it was about that moment when I would see the number and just think, oh, this is so funny. Like, why do I keep seeing this number come up over and over again? And then a few months ago in February 2020, I heard about something called the 5 by 55 manifesting formula, or some people it's call it the 55 by 5. I don't know if the, the order itself matters, but it's become really popular in the, the law of attraction community and the manifestation communities. And so I want to talk a little bit about how that process works for any of you that really enjoy the process of writing down things. So the 5 by 55 or the 55 by 5 is the process of writing a specific desire 55 times for five days in a row. 
And the idea is that you will start to restructure your subconscious mind when you do this. It's changing your thought patterns over five consecutive days so that your thoughts make a direct connection with the energetic frequency of your desire. So if you believe that everything is energy and that we as human beings are constantly emitting these energetic frequencies through our thoughts, emotions, and actions, uh, we start to match the vibration of our desires. And that's what the law of attraction is really based on. And I tried this tool out back in February and I really enjoyed it. I, I can't say for sure that I actually manifested what I wanted precisely, or at least not yet. A lot of times we're on the path of something just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean that it's not happening. It's kind of like, well, maybe it hasn't happened yet. But I found myself really fascinated by this whole process. So in theory, you think, oh, well, writing something down 55 times, how hard could that be? Right? <laughs> but it actually was more challenging than I thought. So these are the steps. First, you're going to choose something to focus on. This might be a manifestation. And so something that's very positive, something that is very goal-oriented, something that means a lot to you and that is very specific, it excites you. It also incorporates some gratitude. So you can start a sentence by saying, I'm grateful to blank. You can also put it in the past tense so that you're speaking about it as if it already happened. And I'll pause for a second because Jason... Your friend Kyle Cease has his own kind of version of this. Can you talk more about his method? So Kyle is uh, an amazing speaker and spiritual teacher and a stand-up comedian and uh, have had the pleasure of knowing him for many years. He has this method that he created with his friend Diego. And actually, there's a video on his YouTube channel of the creation of this back from 2012 or 2013, and he calls it collegaling, which is Kyle and Diego together. So they call it collegaling, where as an example, uh, Kyle would say, yeah, do you remember back in 2020? Remember remember when that crazy pandemic was going on and, 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 and I got that amazing job in the midst of all of it, just like came out of nowhere and we were so excited. Remember we celebrated like after the, the, the quarantine was lifted, you came over and we had a bottle of wine and I started this amazing new job. Wasn't that amazing? So you're acting as if it's already happened and speaking in a past tense, in a celebratory past tense, as if it's already manifested in your life. It is really interesting. I, I remember when I went to one of Kyle's talks, I tried this out and he actually wanted you to go find a stranger to do it. <laughs> Uncomfortable. Oh man, was I uncomfortable. And I almost left the room. I almost pulled one of those moves. But I started to think to myself, A, I wouldn't want somebody to leave the room just because they were uncomfortable because the whole point is that you're trying to go out of your comfort zone so you can grow as a person. And luckily, we hadn't started the podcast yet. So you know, I had a little bit of an excuse at that time because <laughs> I couldn't uh, be accused for not practicing what I preach. But uh, yeah, I, I remember feeling really uncomfortable with it. And then I finally, I, I, I think I might have even gotten out of my seat. We were in a big room at the Longevity Now conference in 2018, I believe, which is almost exactly two years ago. Is that all it's been, Jason? Yeah, that was the, that oh, was the one like that an I, eternity. 
yeah, I, I well, also the name of my book, huh? But um, uh, 2018, yes, that was the last one with Kyle. And yeah, that was the crazy one where I ran on stage like a madman, per your suggestion, by the way. Still legendary. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good. I, I can't remember if you were in the room or not, Jason. I feel like you might have been there. And, and that was when we met our friend Nadine. And I feel like maybe you were with Nadine during this talk. Yes, good memory. Did you guys do the manifestation together? We did the collagling exercise together, yes. Yes, we did. It's a good form of bonding. I did it with some random guy who I think had just walked into the room and also didn't speak fluent English. I remember it being <laughs> like really awkward. So it was like another level of discomfort because he had no idea what was going on. And when I tried to explain it to him, he didn't get it. And and so actually, I don't even know for sure. And I, <laughs> I also feel like I kept delaying my share because I felt really awkward about just having to talk about something. I get a lot of pressure in those moments, These this feeling of... Hmm, it's hard for me to pick one thing to focus on. And and a lot of times I want to sit there and reflect on it. And <laughs> actually, um, our buddy Chris Gillibo just posted something that really resonated with me. I think I took a screenshot of it. Let me see if I can pull it up. And I thought, bingo, this is me. It was something about how if you're constantly trying to plan or research or let's see. Oh, yeah, here it is. It was a share from an account on Instagram called Branding with Pace. And Chris Gillibo shared this. The quote is, research is a code word for avoidance. And Whoa. that really Whoa. that really hit me. And I, I experienced that a lot because I love doing research. It really lights me up. But I definitely will use research for to avoid a situation, to postpone it, to procrastinate. And so a lot of times in these cases, I'll think, oh, you know what? I just need a little bit more time to think about what I want to manifest for myself. I don't know. And I feel that pressure in those situations where somebody's asking me what feels like it's on the spot. And I remember in that moment just thinking, I don't know what I want to share yet. So I'm just going to delay it. I'm just going to keep asking questions to this person about their situation so I don't have to share myself. <laughs> and uh, it was really interesting coming back to the 5 by 55 manifestation. And so I, I wanted to give that example of collegaling because it is talking about something that has already happened. And oftentimes when you write down an affirmation that is based in the in the past, then it feels more real to you, right? You could say, I'm grateful to have received X amount of money. So again, you're acting as if it has already happened and you're thinking about what that's going to feel like. I'm thankful to be driving a new car or you can get really specific. Like I'm thankful to be driving a new Tesla Model Y, you know, like you really be specific about it. And it creates this picture in your mind. This is where manifestation or visualization specifically is based on too, where you're visualizing 
the imagery and what it feels like. What do you feel like? What is the physical sensation of this thing? What are you doing with it? And the more clear you are, the more specific you are, it starts to feel like it has already happened. And if you wrote down a sentence like this, keeping it short enough that your your hand is not going to get completely exhausted writing it out. That was one thing I learned because you write it 55 times in a row and you, you're supposed to handwrite it because there's also something that happens with the brain when you're writing by hand. And I, Jason, I feel like you probably have a little like statistic or, or um, reasoning for that of why writing by hand is so important. I, it's interesting you, you bring this up because I found that I, I still handwrite a lot of things, to-do lists, uh, notes. I was on a, um, a webinar for actors and entertainers on, on how to get some financial stuff this morning. And rather than typing out my notes, um, you know, I, I actually just wrote them down. And actually, I wanted to look that up about writing notes. Um, it Okay. So apparently that handwriting versus typing, um, there's a website. We'll link to this in the show notes at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com is like, okay, writing versus note-taking by hand. So apparently in these um, experiments and studies, they showed that word recall and recognition showed that people remember lists of vocabulary words better when they write them by hand compared to when they type them on a computer or a keyboard. A similar study on the topic showed that taking notes using a written pen and paper method leads to better memory and recall ability than typing them up. And another scientific study on uh, note-taking in the classroom showed that students who take lecture notes by hand generally perform better in standardized tests on those lectures than students who typed their notes on the computer. Super interesting. And, and for me, though, I, I love the art of handwriting. And um, I think a few years back, Whitney, on this subject, because we get tangential here. If it's your first time on the podcast, we get tangential, uh, that they were no longer teaching cursive in school, they were only teaching students how to print. And I thought, that's really a shame. You know, it's really a shame if we're taking that away from, I don't know, to me, I just, I love the written word. I love taking handwritten notes. And when I found out they stopped teaching cursive in a lot of uh, curriculums, I, I was a little bit sad about it. <laughs> that's so sweet that you were sad about that. And it's funny, as you were saying that, I was thinking, I wonder if I even know how to write in cursive very well anymore. And then when I started kind of in my head, imagining what it's like to write in cursive, which I really haven't done that much since school. Maybe that's part of it. It's kind of like that old mentality as kids we have. Like, I'm why am I learning this? I'm never going to use it. And I feel like the only time I really use cursive personally is to write my signature. But it is interesting because of the way that we're taught. And I don't know if it's specifically around our age or the repetition but I feel like even though it's been so long since I've written cursive, it would come right back to me as muscle memory. And I think it's always so interesting. I just pulled up some other interesting points from this wonderful book, which we will link to in the resource section at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If you go to our website and click on the podcast section, there are show notes for every single episode, including this one. And you can also just search for this episode and, and pull up. It's like a blog post, basically, where we link to everything that we talk about. And there's also a transcript if you prefer to read or, re or um, read it again so that you can take in the information differently. 
And this book, Write It Down, Make It Happen, is something that my friend Allison Melody, who also has a wonderful podcast called Food Heals, Allison recommended this book to me. And I read it years ago. And I remember it, it really, really resonated with me. And I just pulled up some notes from the website. And in the book, the author says that the right side of the brain traditionally governs the feeling nonverbal part of you, while the left hemisphere handles rational thought and logic. So it's interesting to see how differently our brains are thinking and how they function when we're doing things like writing and where our emotions are coming from, right? And how it's so important to uh, integrate both your head and your heart into your thinking, right? So, and your feeling is to start to shift into the different mentalities when it comes to writing out your your goals. And coming back around to the 5 by 55 practice, so you pick this goal of yours or this affirmation and you really make it succinct, usually something that is based in the past as if it's already happened. And then you write it down 55 times every day for five consecutive days. And it's really helpful to make this into a very present, almost meditative process where your mind is very focused on it. You can turn on some music, you could light some candles, have some aromatherapy, kind of create this whole environment around yourself. You could do this in the morning, at night. It doesn't actually matter too much when you do it. It is really helpful to be focused. Although when I was doing it for the very first time, I would do it during times where I, let's say I I was at a conference actually when I, when I first learned this and I would take my journal and a pen into the talks and I actually find myself more focused when I'm writing. I've always been a big note taker during talks. I, I start to Um, find that I'm more focused if I'm writing things down. And so I was trying out the 5 by 55 while I was listening to another speaker. Now, it sounds, I don't know if maybe I messed it up, (laughs) if there is a way to mess this up, but it actually kept me very calm and present with both my writing and listening to the speaker. And I was almost able to multitask, even though I'm not a huge fan of multitasking. But it was really interesting just doing that process. I think it was also a way for me to pass the time, you know, if there was boring parts during one of the the lectures I was listening to, uh, having something to write really helped me out. And it also does take some time. It took me on average between 20 to 30 minutes to write out my affirmation 55 times. So that's important to think about too when you have a good 20 to 30 minute block of time to do this. And I found myself starting to look forward to it. The very first time I did it, my hand hurt a lot and I had to pause. So you might even want to give yourself more time if you can, you know, maybe break it up across 45 minutes to an hour. And maybe you pause and do an actual meditation when your hand starts to hurt, right? But I found that over the days, it actually hurt less and less. It was like my muscles were getting used to writing things down so much. And I started to look forward to it. I really loved the process of it. And then it's encouraged that after you write down your 55 times each day, you want to just forget about it. You don't want to spend 
time thinking about it too much, obsessing over it, getting too attached. This is actually putting you too much in in the place of your ego, right? And sometimes that can actually lead you to be more self-destructive. You can start thinking, oh, this isn't going to work. And you can get very focused on like what the outcome is. How When is it going to happen, right? Why hasn't it happened yet? And speaking of that, in that book, Write It Down, Make It Happen, there are some tips in there for what to do if you write something down and it doesn't happen. And I really enjoyed the perspective. First of all, the author recommends that you stop and consider what's going on in your life because maybe something happened just not in the way that you intended. And I think this is really important when it comes to manifestation practices in general. We can get very attached to outcomes and the specifics, and we don't notice all of the subtle things that happen in our lives. So just be unattached to exactly how things come about and how long it takes to. And remember that it's so important not to get discouraged, that we just have to keep going about our life and remember that every step forward is going in some direction and we don't know exactly where these paths are going to take us. I think that's so wonderful, Whitney, the way you encapsulated all of that in terms of letting go of uh, a, a specific desired outcome. And it, it reminds me of two things I want to share. Um, one is something I heard from um, Michael Bernard Beckwith from the Agape Spiritual Center. And I, I texted you a few days ago that I was tuning into their um their live webcasts on Sunday, which is like amazing gospel music and super positive vibes. And especially now it feels a lot more meaningful. And um, Michael Beckwith was talking about this exact subject, about, about envisioning and staying in a positive mindset. And he, he was talking about the origin of the word enthusiasm. And I thought it was so fascinating. The way he broke it down was back to Greek and Latin. And that basically uh, our current version, enthusiasm, was based on theos, theology. We've all heard that word theology, uh, the study of God or, or God himself, theos. Entheos means to be possessed by a God or divinely inspired. And he was saying that one of the reasons that you know people kind of fall off of the manifestation train, if you will, or, or lose positive momentum when they're calling the thing in, their heart's desire, is they lose enthusiasm. They might get pessimistic or disappointed, as you said, Wit, of, oh, why hasn't it showed up or why didn't it show up in the form that I thought it would? And his whole point was his opinion is the anchor of manifestation and the anchor of these kind of practices is enthusiasm, to have a unfettered, godlike, divine inspiration that carries you forward and ultimately that you let go of exactly how it's going to show up. But that word enthusiasm has just stuck with me. And especially now with what we're facing in our culture with, uh, with this pandemic is like, how can I maintain my, my enthusiasm, my divine inspiration? And then secondly, the other thing that I think is super relevant right now, um, and I want to link to this in the show notes, is I was, I've been watching a three-hour audio lecture from Alan Watts. We've talked about Alan Watts here on the podcast. We've recommended one of his books, um, The Wisdom of Insecurity, several times in previous episodes. But he has a fantastic, fantastic lecture. It's almost three hours on YouTube that I've been watching, um, where he talks about the connection between what you do and what you experience in life. And it's deep, 
and it's amazing and it's about karma and energy and mindset and i think it's completely perfect for this very subject and i also found a few other encouraging words of wisdom from the author of the book write it down make it happen and she actually referenced two other authors one whose name is helen hadsell who wrote a book called name it and claim it and helen said there's no failure only a delay in results it's important to don't ever dismiss or nullify good, positive energy because you are disappointed. You need to acquire the attitude that you need more patience because it does wonders for your peace of mind, body, and well-being. And then the author of Write It Down, Make It Happen also quoted Napoleon Hill, who said, one of the most common causes of failure is the habit of quitting when one is overtaken by temporary defeat. Mm, so important. Because these, these emotions, right, feeling defeated or feeling disappointed, they're temporary. I mean, well, everything is temporary. I mean, if we really want to get macro about it. But in this context, I think that's so important to remember that feelings of disappointment, being defeated, being deflated, those are temporary states of being and they do not last forever. Absolutely. And one more part from write it down, make it happen is the perspective that when everything is falling apart, it might be a sign that everything is about to come together. Chaos often comes close to completion. If you rejoice when everything breaks down, you might be getting close to the finish line. So it's so helpful to push on and know that the breakdown heralds completion you might just be three feet away from the gold. And if you are headed in the right direction, all you need to do is keep on walking and keep on writing it down to make it happen. Mm. And I feel like it's important to be reminded of this, especially as Jason said, we're, we're still in this time as of this recording where we're experiencing a global pandemic and it feels very chaotic. We actually just released a book, From Chaos to Calm, which you can get on our website for free. It's at wellevator.com if you go into the free resources section. And we'll link to this in the show notes again. And this is a book that focuses a lot around anxiety and how often it is for us to become very frustrated, discouraged, sad, and these low vibration feelings. And it's easy to think that they're never going to go away. It's easy to focus on how everything's falling apart versus noticing how things might be coming together. And sometimes it's easier said than done, but I'm not sure if you included this in the book or not, Jason, but, but the practice of journaling is actually a phenomenal way to reduce stress. It is a way to get your feelings out, to express yourself, and it has a calming effect on the body. Yeah, no, there's a, yeah, no, that's so funny. Yes, there is a section about journaling. And one of my favorite people um, is a friend and fellow Hay House author, Katie Dalebout. She uh, wrote a book a few years back called Let It Out, which is a, a guide to journaling. We have a few steps in our ebook from Chaos to Calm. But if you want further resources, you can go to the show notes of this episode once again, and we will have a link to Katie's book, Let It Out, that you guys can pick up uh, online because as of this recording, all of the bookstores are unfortunately closed, which makes me sad. I'm really looking forward to the bookstores opening, but we have some great resources and also check out Katie's work as well. 
I also wanted to share a few more numerology points. And Jason, you'll have to remind me if these are exactly what you had said before. But this came from one of the websites that talked about 5 by 55. And the writer said that the number 5 in numerology signifies realignment, change, and transformation. Therefore, whenever you are manifesting something new, you are tapping into this very energy. The number five calls upon a quantum jump to realign yourself with a new path. It is symbolic of both transformation and evolution. The new path is where your desires become reality. And the number 55 is all about personal power. It signifies the power you hold within to transform your life, therefore reaching a happier, more abundant, and more joyful version of yourself, which is a goal I think we all have, right? Who doesn't want to be be happier, more abundant, and more joyful? So on this note, Whitney, I have a question for you. Have you ever calculated your life master number before? Have you ever done this process? I have, and I think it's actually the number nine, but I'm going to go look it up right now. I know I wrote it down somewhere. Okay, cool. So while Whitney's looking it up, uh, for the dear listener, if you have never computed your master number, here's how you do it really quickly. You take your birth date in numbers. So example would be, um, uh, let's just pull one out to like uh, January 20th, 1982. Uh, That's just a random example. You would add the numbers first in the year. So one plus nine plus eight plus two, which is the number 20. Then you would add the month and the day of birth to the year number. So again, 1982 added together, 1982 is 20. So you would add 1 plus 20 plus 20. So this is January 20th plus 1982. So the total of that, the total of all those numbers is 41. And then what you do is you add both of those individual numerals together. So you'd add 4 plus 1, because we add the 41, and that equals the number 5. So in that case, that would be your life master number. And we can, again, link to this resource in the show notes of this episode at wellevator.com. I did mine, and mine is a 10. Mine is a 10 master number. So um, real quick, Whit, while you're looking yours up, uh, it says a person with the life path number 10 always remains comfortable in being alone. That's why it's hard for me to be in relationships, everyone. Waka waka. Uh, Determined and adventurous in character. So the life path number 10 is interpreted from its essence and spirit. Uh, The essence of a number can be said as its tone and vibrations. Therefore, on the basis of its tone and vibration, the life path number 10 can be interpreted to compose these qualities, leadership, independence, clear thinking, uniqueness, infinite potential, exploration, compassionate nature, imagination, and creativity. Life path number 10 are inborn leaders and always take the front row in any type of situation. They're straightforward and true to their followers and can influence them with their nature and character. They do most of their works by their own determination in their life, and they will not rest until they finish the work in hand. Along with self-dependence, these people are also clear thinking and compassionate. Super interesting. Goes into imagination. They can create things which are seen as impossible by others. They develop creative power inside their mind and soul to be unique in the world. Anyway, if you guys, the listener, guys and gals listening, uh, want to do this, check out the resource again on Wellevator. You can calculate your life path number and find some really cool resources online about this. 
Well, I, I just calculated mine while you were doing that. And I'd love for you to read my number, which is actually nine. And it's so interesting because I have loved the number nine for most of my life. And that's felt like a really powerful number. And uh, the, also the number three. So when I see the numbers three, nine, and now 55, <laughs> I feel very lit up by that. But Jason, I have a question for you first. How can 10 be a number? Wouldn't 10 technically be one? Well, according to this, one can, I suppose, do either one. Because the one this website says you can take the number 10. It says very specifically the number 10. Um, but apparently that one is also applicable. I don't know. I'm not a numerologist, but uh, apparently they're both on here. So I just went right to number 10. I think that's right. Because I went to a website as well. And when you were reading your description, it sounds very similar to the master number one. Will you read the description for master number nine? I will look it up. I just want to say something really quickly, though, about this. Um, if people want to understand what a life path number, the purpose of it is, um, it would be kind of akin to your astrological sun sign that it, it might reveal your greater purpose, your strengths, your weaknesses, your talents, your ambitions. So if anybody's wondering um, what the point is of this, uh, you can treat it kind of like a horoscope, if you will, ish. Okay, number nine. Um, Master number nine, as the final single digit within numerology, nine connotates and signifies an old soul. The number nine is no stranger to life's ups and downs. Been there, done that. Accordingly, number nine can effortless, this sounds so much like you, effortlessly synthesize large quantities of information and stimuli, psychically and physically connecting the dots to form a cohesive whole. The mission for number nines are to reach the highest state of consciousness and to help others achieving this spiritual awareness and awakening. Nine isn't afraid to transform, and its malleable open spirit inspires others to explore their own ranges of motion and development. Since nine, in many ways, seeks to transcend the physical plane, it must constantly remember to anchor itself. Nine must learn to balance the abstract with the tangible and ultimately find its place at the intersection of fantasy and reality. Whoa. Whoa, indeed. And you know what else I realized is that five, 55 would technically be a 10, and you're a 10. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I was sitting here thinking, all right, maybe with the last one we should read is for 55, but that would also be a 10 or a 1. Yes, it would. Yeah, I never thought that all these years. I never thought that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always find this really interesting, you know, and again, I remember when I was growing up just being very intrigued by horoscopes. I was also really interested in uh, the Chinese, uh, like what animal you are. What's that called? Like the year of the what, you know, year of the animal. Yeah. Year of the snake, year of the are you? Are you a, of course, you're a pig. We've talked about yep. this. We've talked about yep. this at, at at and also Ellie. The inspiration for this episode is also a pig. Yep. <laughs> and I am a fire snake. So it's really it's really interesting because on that tip, with years ago, my aunt Mary Lou, who lives in Detroit, she gave me a book, a really great book on Chinese astrology, and I was like, ah, I didn't take much stock in it, but I remember reading the chapter specifically on fire snake, because not only does Chinese astrology assign you an animal totem, but they also assign you an element depending on the day and year of your birth. When I went into fire snake and read it, 
I, my jaw hit the floor. It was the most accurate thing I think I've ever read. I, it's still to this day. Like if I can find it right now, you would be like, I, this is you completely. <laughs> it is really fascinating because, you know, uh, horoscopes, I feel like it depends on the source of them. Who's writing them? Are they writing them for entertainment? Or are they somebody who's really doing the research and you know, and all of that? And it is fascinating because you can compare different results for different people or that you can mix them up and blindly read them and still find that the one that's based on your date of birth is is usually very a- accurate and i i feel like it's just a fascinating thing because again as i said at the very beginning you can brush it off and think of it as very woo woo but if it brings you some sort of realization about yourself if it helps you feel more grounded or more inspired or or gives you that clarity or even the empowerment. For me, when you were reading that description of my number nine, not only was I saying to myself, yeah, that does sound like me, but it also was, it was reminding me of the things that give me a lot of purpose. And I think so many people struggle with finding their purpose or getting clear on that. And they don't really know, like, what do they most love to do? It's hard to just describe it or define it sometimes. It's hard to give a very concrete answer. But when you read some of these descriptions, whether they're a few sentences or are in depth, a few pages, it can help you start to get clear on who you are and what really aligns with you. And I think that's actually one of the biggest benefits to all of this. So, if you're doing a practice like five by 55, you might not even know what to start. Like, what do you even want? So many people have have trouble just figuring out one thing to focus on. But this forces you to do that. It forces you to, to pay attention to something for five days and then reflect on how you feel and how that's playing out on your life. And then you can reevaluate it. And then you can just continue to get more and more clarity. And as Jason and I have found in so much of our trainings, whether it's our Wellness Warrior training program or the Consistency Code program, which you can learn more about at wellevator.com, we found that a lot of people just struggle with that first step of, of knowing who they are and clarifying it to themselves and to other people. That's also the beginning of marketing too. Jason and I have studied marketing, whether it's on social media or for our websites with the podcast, all these different focuses of ours. We have to continue to refine our message. And sometimes that can feel really daunting. But when you get clear on something it becomes so much more easier to clarify it to other people and stay focused on what you should be doing each and every day. And I think, you know, truly one, one thing that Whitney and I are extremely passionate about and, and you, the listener perhaps are also passionate about this is knowing thyself and self-awareness. And as we change and evolve as beings throughout the course of our life, perhaps what we value changes and what we're interested in changes or what we're passionate about or what we're enthusiastic about changes. So I think the fluidity of understanding ourselves and all of the layers to who we are as beings, this is a lifelong endeavor, right? It's not just like, well, by the time I'm 45, I'm going to know all there is to know about myself. I mean, I think I can speak for myself, certainly. Um, and you, Whitney, that that we're seekers and and being seekers and students of being human there is no end to this. Uh, and, and in that sense, I, I actually found some great, great resources on numerology.com. It um, goes even deeper than some of the other ones I was reading from. And uh, the number nine, Whitney, is super fascinating. Uh, it talks about how worldly and sophisticated you are, 
uh, that you see the understand the connections between all of humankind, that you're a humanitarian. And when you see injustice or you see um, mistreatment of people, you devote yourself completely to it um, and that you don't, you know, expect credit in return that you really want to just do good in the world and and be a powerful force of leadership and justice. And it goes way, way deeper. So for anyone who is interested to get really deep into your life path number, we will link to numerology.com in the show notes for this episode at wellevator.com. Yes. I also pulled up a few websites that talked about why you shouldn't do five by 55. And I thought it was really interesting. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't know if it's kind of clickbaity, you know, like whenever there's a trend, there are people that want to oppose something or write like why you shouldn't do this. And, and that sometimes is just to get more eyeballs on, on things because we like to see the, the extremes that people go to, but there were actually some really wonderful pieces of information I, I read while I was scanning this. And this is on a website called selfmadeladies.com. And we will link to that, of course, at wellevator.com. And I was really excited to see that this writer was talking about the rule of five, which is something that Jack Canfield talks about. He is the co-author of Chicken Soup for the soul. And we had the other co-author who wrote the books with him, Mark Victor Hansen on in a previous episode. So if you haven't listened to that yet, Mark Victor Hansen is a wonderful guest and he came on our show with his wonderful wife. They talked about the power of asking. So if you look up that episode that wasn't too long ago before this one, and again, you can find that in the show notes at wellevator.com. And the summary of The Rule of Five by Jack Canfield is a commitment to take five actions every day that will bring you closer to your goal or dream. And people are saying that the 5 by 55 method is nice for programming your subconscious level and changing your mindset, but only through action will you actually read reach your, your goal right? So actually, you will read your goal. But if you want to reach your goal, you have to take action. And I think that is incredibly important is not just thinking if we write something down, it's magically going to happen. You need to write this down. You need to get in that practice of being more positive and motivated and inspired. But then you have to go out and take the action. And this is a big part of our program, the consistency code, is that so many people have that clarity, as we talked about, then they set themselves in a goal. But if they're not consistently taking action towards that goal, you can't just expect things to happen. Just because you want something doesn't mean it will just appear like a from a, a genie in a bottle, right? You need to actually be proactive with it. Yeah, I think that there's there's an alchemy to co-creating with reality. And Abraham Hicks has talked about this for decades and decades. They're one of my favorites. And um, they really kind of came into vogue. If anybody remembers when The Secret came out in 2006, but Abraham Hicks, you know, they talk about uh, alignment and removing any resistance. And for me, I guess my, you know, if I think about it, Whitney, you know, my, my magic formula would probably be, you know, desire plus enthusiasm plus action and letting go of resistance, like those four steps to me, if I think about like really big things that I've manifested in my life, I think it was a combination of a deep 
not just an egoic desire, but something really in my heart, you know, something that I felt like deep in my heart that I wanted to experience or, or see or have or do in my life combined with the enthusiasm, right? Every day, just like, oh, I'm on fire about this. I feel good about this. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I don't know when, I don't know how, but it's going to happen. And then the action, taking consistent daily action, even small steps, but then also noticing, and this is for some people, the trickiest part certainly is for me, is any subconscious resistances that we've built up against receiving that thing. You know, and for me, I've talked about this in previous episodes is my, um, my battle with unworthiness, not feeling good enough or not feeling like I deserve something in my life and how that's plagued my subconscious pretty much my entire life. So I think those four things are, at least in my opinion, this magic formula of things to focus on when we're calling something into our lives. Absolutely. And ultimately, we're here to encourage you to do whatever works best for you. There are so many different ways to approach our physical, mental, and emotional well-being. And what we like to do here in this podcast is share with you things that are working for us, things that aren't working for us, things that work for our guests, things that haven't worked for them, right? It's all the the different experiments, the trials, the thoughts, <laughs> the, the dreams, the goals, whatever is happening in our lives, we're here to share with you all sorts of different perspectives. And our aim is, is to not necessarily teach you something, although sometimes that will happen, but really we're here to just get you to think about things and to reflect on what this means for you. So what we encourage you, dear listener, is to reflect on what numbers have meaning to you, what things in your life have meaning, what inside jokes bring you joy, do you like sharing with your friends, what things in general bring you a lot of joy that you could do right now to uplift your spirits. And we'd love to actually hear some of those. So if you want to share with us, you can go to the website, wellevator.com. And when you find the show notes for this episode, there's a comment section at the bottom. And we would love for you to comment and share your own reflections, your experiences, what brings you joy, what your master number is, what your favorite numbers are. Uh, or if you're not into any of that, what do you prefer? What works for you? If, if you've tried 5 by 55, let us know. If you haven't tried it, maybe there's something else that you feel like is even better. We just love having these conversations with you so that not only can we learn more about you and, and figure out how to support you, but just to create a sense of community. We're incredibly passionate about that. We actually think that's one of the most important parts of our well-being is to connect with other like-minded people and to have an open mind to connect with people that maybe live differently than us, right? And that's what happens in a community. You can broaden your horizons a lot. You can learn from one another. You can support one another. We also utilize social media. Not a ton. <laughs> Wellevator is... Um, you know, our aim is is to post content that really resonates with us. So we do have accounts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, all those different platforms. Our handle is at Wellevator. You can connect with us there. You can leave public comments and you can privately direct message us on most of those platforms. And uh, we try to share things that really resonate with our hearts. And we love seeing what you're up to as well. So oftentimes when people follow us, we end up following them back because you're doing so many amazing things in the world. And then lastly, if you want to just connect with us privately, maybe you're not into social media, that's completely okay. You can always email us at hello at wellevator.com. You can ask us questions, you can share things, whatever's on your heart. 
if you have feedback. It's so wonderful to read your messages and, and hear what's going on in your world. I also want to give just a huge, huge shout out to our brand new patrons on our Patreon platform. So if you love what you hear and you are a big fan of all of the episodes you've heard, or maybe it's your first time and you've magically fallen in love with Whitney and myself, we have a Patreon account that we'll link to in the show notes. And we have some great patrons from around the world and some new ones that popped up recently. And we just want to give a huge, huge shout out to anyone during this moment, which is in the pandemic, a very difficult time financially, but it means even more to us that you're opening your hearts and your pocketbooks to support Wellevator and support This Might Get Uncomfortable. So got to give love to our patrons. And if you guys want to support the podcast so we can keep going with this great content to help you thrive, especially now during this challenging time, uh, please visit our Patreon page. We've got some great behind the scenes videos, some freebies and, uh, and bonus materials that people on social media and our mailing list are not uh, privileged to. So on Patreon, you always get the secret goodies that nobody else does. Plus, we're working on merchandise and a really funny note to end on. I was just sitting here thinking maybe we should make some 55 <laughs> merchandise. Oh, what if Bella's we rec- face, With Bella's face on it. Or what if we recreated that whatever Ellie purchase like you said it might have been like a tote bag or something i think it was i think it was (laughs) what if that was our merchandise on patreon oh my god (laughs) or what if we made a tote bag because that is something that we've been considering uh making or an organic tote bag with some sort of design on it and what if it was just a a drawing of ellie and a little bubble coming out of her mouth that said 55. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it is so niche. But you know what? Our <laughs> listeners, I, I bet, I bet, I bet they'd go for it because we, we are, we are a unique podcast. So why wouldn't we have unique merchandise? Why not? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's a little out there, but you know, <laughs> this is the way our minds work. So that's another thing that you'll see on Patreon is, is, uh, we're looking for feedback on merchandise because that is something that we are going to be starting to offer our patrons because we want to give back and enrich your lives in many different ways. Thank you so much for listening today. We can't wait to connect with you on whatever medium you choose. And we hope that you'll check out the related episodes and the show notes just to continue our journey with getting uncomfortable. Until next time, wishing you all the very best with your overall well-being. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.